0: Take your Bibles now, First Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read to you, and then I'm going to pray with you. You guys okay? Everyone okay? We're all here? Okay. Love you guys. Love you. Here we go. Here we go. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves also with this same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries, how many guys did he just describe your weekend? Anyway, just keep it In regard to these, verse 4, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, the cultural currents, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. And in all things, may God be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever amen would you pray with me one more time father in jesus name would you bless your word now as we read first peter chapter 4 verses 1 through 11 may we have minds lord like christ having this same mind will we arm ourselves or to be militant against sin and committed to serving one another i pray for wisdom and for aid in teaching this now would you be glorified in all that we do in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen well peter's letter to his audience, to the church in that day, was largely in preparation for suffering that was to come. He's preparing them to suffer. For the last three or four weeks, we've been talking about suffering and suffering. And Man, I don't know. It kind of makes sense with 2020 coming into 2021. And I'm just so glad God led us to First Peter. And here's a few thoughts, five of them to write down quickly about suffering. Number one, suffering isn't an option. It's a promise. Write that down in the notes. There's some notes in front of you. Okay, it's not an option. It's a promise. Wrap your mind around that. You're going to suffer. How many guys dodge suffering? Like, you see suffering coming, you're like, I'm going to avoid that. And if I do this, I'll, if I do that, you know, I'm just not, not going to suffer. Like, eh, stop it. Okay. Instead, arm yourself with this mind. That's what we're going to read today. Second thing I want you guys to write down suffering is often caused by multiple sources. Remember that causation list we went through, nine different things I read to you. Where sit, where, why am I suffering right? Whose fault is it? Like, it's not always healthy to ask who did it, but it is often helpful to say, Lord, what are you going to do through it? It's often multi-layered. So you might be confused right now. I don't know what happened. I I don't know what happened. Was it me? Was it them? Was it the demons? Was it, was it Adam? Whose fault is it? Remember when Adam sinned, he was such a good blamer. Careful guys. We we get that blame, shame shifting from, from Adam. Adam blamed God. And his wife. Remember that? It's the woman you gave me. You know, here's Adam. Like, Adam's got the smoking gun. Like, oh, you know, what a punk. What a punk. (laughs) Matter of fact, uh, that leads me to another point. Suffering isn't an excuse to sin. It's an opportunity to serve. We're going to learn that today. Sometimes when we suffer, we give ourselves a hall pass because we're suffering. I'm suffering right now might be your fault might be their fault might not be your fault you know and you're going to give yourself a hall pass and what we just read to you verses one through 11 peter exhorts us and says don't do what the gentiles do speaking kind of generatively or collectively of those who aren't seeking god's will just those people i don't want to do god's will and then he goes on to say but let love be the most important thing and hospitality and service this is the big idea. You're going to suffer and you have two choices. I'm either going to sin <laughs> or I'm going to suffer well and serve. I'm going to take that towel that I'm ready to throw in. I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. You ever see a boxer, you know, and this coach just gives a throw in the towel. I'm going to give up. I'm getting beat up. I'm suffering. And in life, sometimes we going to throw in the towel and what Jesus demonstrated in John 13 he said, no, no, take the towel. And find someone's feet that are dirtier than yours. And start serving. I thought it's this amazing thought that Peter gives to us. Number four, God redeems our suffering in all sorts of ways. Trust him. God's going to redeem your suffering. He's going to use it. He used it in Joseph's life. He used it in Daniel's life. He used it in Noah's life, Moses' life, Esther's life. He's going to use it. How many of you guys think that God can't use you if you're suffering? I mean, I, if I have a headache, if I'm sick, if something's wrong, something goes bad, if I blow it, if I step out of the land, Lord, now I'm all messed up, you know. Now I can't do it. My armor doesn't fit. My Sauline armor, I've got all my, my stuff and my systems, and I, Lord, I got this way. I'm going to be used by you. And God says, nah. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. That's not a fun verse, you know what I'm saying? We don't like that verse. <laughs> My weakness. As long as you don't let that weakness give you a hall pass to sin. To, to do st- stuff. Instead, you take that weakness. And you step into that mind of Christ. And you serve others. Lastly, I'm just reading off these notes that I wrote down at one point. Suffering is a chance to put to death your flesh and live according to the Spirit. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And here's the, here's the catch I want you guys to wrap your mind around in today's uh, message. Peter has been preparing his readers then, context is king, then for the Roman oppression that is about to increase. The Roman persecution was already intense. People were dying. People were getting arrested, fed to lions. Peter would die shortly after this. Paul would die shortly after this. People in Rome who'd never met Jesus, weren't Jews, never went to synagogue, heard about Jesus, gave their lives to Christ, and all of a sudden their family got arrested and fed to lions. They're like, (laughs) what's going on? Jesus loves me this I know. You know, they're learning little songs and all of a sudden everyone's, and Paul's been, Peter's been equipping them for suffering that's coming from out there, but I want to kind of tune you guys in right now because it's easy to point at the big bad world, isn't it? Corruption, politics, Washington, you pick your group that you're mad at right now. How many groups don't raise your hand? Don't don't answer either. How many groups do you have you're mad at right now?
1: You're just so mad at all these groups out there and all
0: these people. And here's what Peter did instruct them to do in verse 15. And I'm gonna say this because I want you to hear it. Peter said, People will ask you, why do you still have hope when everything's going crazy? He said in verse 15 of chapter three, set aside the Lord Jesus in your heart that you might always have an answer to give people for the reason you have inside you. Quick question. How many people have asked you in 2020 why you're doing just great? How many people have identified your life and said, I see you haven't given up yet. What gives? I see you're still hopeful and helpful. What's going on? I see you're not rallying around all the other groups and all the other things and you're just. How did you stay? Has anybody asked you this question? I hope so. He's inferring that you're going to be a little different on the outside. People are looking at you like, man, you just steady Eddie. you just right on track. If you haven't been, that's okay. That's why we took communion. That's why we took communion. Hey, but check this out. People should be asking you why you have hope, and you should be able to tell them, here's why I have hope. But have you practiced this sort of preaching and testimony to yourself recently? there's a big bad world out there. Corruption, it's not going to change, it's going to get worse. It's just deal with it, okay? Settle in. But what about that preaching of that same message to the person in the mirror? Let me say it differently. Your biggest problem is not Washington, your biggest problem is not Salem. Your biggest problem is not them. Your biggest problem is the person you see in the mirror. If you're honest, maybe you're here and you're not you haven't figured that out yet. Maybe your mirror's broke. When I look in the mirror, that's the guy I got to watch out for. That's really the problem. Nobody else is bothering me. My biggest enemy is, is me. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say it's, it's, it's my heart. That my heart is wicked and deceitful and, and nobody can know it. Out of the abundance of the heart flow, the issues of life. And I've heard one pastor say the heart of every issue is an issue of your heart. And so now Peter, he's been talking about Rome, talking about persecution and suffering. And now he's going to talk about sin. Sin He's going to talk about the stuff that we bring upon ourselves. We're going to go to war. Cool. Who's the enemy? Yourself. Okay, then. Okay. And he says, you got a choice. You're going to suffer. So you're either going to sin or serve. This is daily. This is going to happen today. It's going to happen tomorrow. You're going to, you're going to be bogged down. You're going to be fatigued, overwhelmed. Later today, and you're going to have an opportunity. So what should I do? Serve my family, give myself a hall pass, doing weird stuff. And I, I just want to make sure you guys are hearing this by way of introduction, because see, the reality is, is if you're saved, you've been forgiven from the penalty of sin. Okay, you're justified. You're justified. As a matter of fact, God sees you just as if I'd never sinned. You're justified. Wow, he sees you perfect and righteous. The penalty has been paid for. And he also has taken you in the Holy Spirit and he sanctified you. That is, he set you, listen, apart. There's now a distance between you and sin. Romans tells us that the power of sin has been broken. So not only are you justified, but you're sanctified. And the power of sin has been broken. The penalty's paid for. The power has been broken. Here's the problem. While the penalty's taken care of and the power's been broken, the presence of sin still lurks everywhere. (sighs) You're justified, you're sanctified, but you're not yet glorified. These are biblical terms. When you die and leave this earth, you will be glorified. We're, We're waiting for that. And until then, the presence of sin is within. It's here, it's all over. Penalty, paid for. Power, broken, presence, it's a fight. Let me ask it. Let me prove it this way. How many of you guys, since giving your life to Jesus Christ, have done something sinful or shameful? Raise up your hand. Okay, those who didn't raise your hand, you just lied. <laughs> God, you know what I'm saying? I just say, <laughs> man, is this is such a battle. And so Peter addresses the group that's about to suffer. It's about to get worse, not better. So he says, okay, 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 it's gonna get worse. All right, what do we do? respond with the mind of christ have the arm yourself with this mind it's a militant term and i would just have you write that down that we need to have a militant mind towards sin specifically the mind of christ he gives christ as an example look at verse one therefore since christ suffered for us in the flesh arm yourself also with this same mind stop right there up here the first thing we do to have a militant mind towards sin is we look at christ as our example How did Christ stand in a world that had gone crazy? What was his advantage, or should I say stance, towards sin? Because if you're going to stand tall and you're not going to make mistakes, you need to have that same mind. And let me just actually give you guys some biblical tips. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. No, no. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. It says it this way, and it'll be on the screen. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Stop right there, eyes up here. Did you guys know that this battle, this mind of Christ to to serve or to sin in suffering begins with an attitude? Your outcome, your outlook determines your outcome. What you believe determines how you behave. How you focus your mind in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 4 through 6 tells us that God's given to us weapons of warfare to take every thought captive. Can I just encourage you this week? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. The battle begins in your brain. It begins in your mind, what you believe, what you adhere to, what you agree with, what you align yourself with. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here it is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind. Your mind. Imagine a soldier gearing up with army fatigue, putting on the armor of God taking every thought captive, going to God in the word that your mind might be transformed. The battle's not gonna get any easier. The battle's never gonna cease. The bullets are never gonna stop flying. There's never a time where the enemy puts down his arsenal and says, truce, truce, it's all good. I've got nothing formed against you. I'm not trying to prosper. It's just an off day. Every day is an on day. Every day is a work day. And it begins in your mind where you say, okay, Lord, Give me the mind of Christ. Think of what Jesus did. Look at verse one again. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with this same mind. Here's a couple of thoughts I want you guys to consider when it comes to fighting the flesh, fighting sin, fighting temptation. Number one, think about what sin and temptation did to Jesus Christ. For Christ also suffered. Why did Christ suffer? For your sins, for my sins. Man, when we were singing those songs and considering Jesus hanging on the cross, I considered my sins that put him there. I wanted to hide into the ground. I wanted to crawl away because of my sins that put him there. And when you, if you're battling sin right now or you're battling carnality or your fleshly tendencies, or you're just kind of getting loose, consider what you have done that put him there. I heard one commentator put it this way. I refuse to be entertained by that which crucified my Savior. How many of us have been entertained by that which put Jesus on the cross? All of us, man. And Paul says it, or Peter says it right here. No more of this time for our own will, but God's will. Because the government's so bad, because everything's so bad, regardless. Because this will take you down from the inside out. And I want you guys to to have this mindset. I want to have this mindset against sin and carnality knowing that it killed my safe. Can you imagine if somebody brutally murdered one of your children? And then you went to the detective after the end of the case, and you asked for the murder weapon. Let's say it was a knife, multiple stab wounds. And you went to the detective and said, you know what, can I have that knife? I, I feel there might be some culinary value still in it. I'd like to cut my vegetables with it. Can you imagine? Would, would you... Can you imagine that? You would not do that. Can you imagine if you asked for that weapon and framed it in a glass frame and had it there in your dining room table? That's the knife that killed my kids. And yet how often do we dabble? How often do I compromise with those same things that killed my Savior? Let this military... You know what Jesus did? Jesus stood in the cesspool of humanity and he came from heaven holy and entered into our realm and he resisted sin and temptation by preaching the truth. How are we gonna have the mind of Christ? Don't be ashamed of the truth. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus said is true. This is, by the way, a good word because we live in a world that is polarized right now. Owning a Bible and being a Christian right now, and being you know considered a conservative or, or somebody who loves righteousness, it's not popular right now. Oh, you have values. Oh, you have parameters. Oh, you have direction. Oh, you don't get to make up your own rules. Yeah, I don't. I don't get to, I don't get to make up my own rules. That's not popular. Jesus stood against sin in that way. Not only did Jesus stand in the truth, Jesus looked at what sin had done to humanity, and he responded with mercy and grace. Everywhere Jesus went, people had been touched by sin in a negative way, and Jesus had mercy and grace upon them. Let this mind be in you. Stand in the truth. Don't be ashamed of what the Bible says, but also be one who gives grace and mercy toward those who are hurting. The third thing Jesus did by way of being militant towards, or should I say against sin, we can't do this, is Jesus paid for it. He hung on the cross. Christ suffered for you. He suffered for me. Guys, suffering is a promise. It's not optional, but there's many benefits. I'm going to read a bunch of these. We have some time left. And I want you guys to write these headings down. Number one, suffering looses your grip on sin. Most of us, if you're honest, have a sin battle or maybe historical sin battle or maybe you have a future sin battle you're not aware of and and I want to loosen this grip on sin. I don't want to have it so strong against me and I try and I try and there's many ways and methods and there's a battle that's going on. But one of the things that God tells us here in verse one, he says that he has suffered, he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, when you suffer, it actually loosens your grip on sin. When you get banged around, when you come up short, when you suffer, when you hurt, the things of this world are less appealing. The grip. As a matter of fact, the more you suffer in this life, the more you become excited about the life to come. We've got some older folks here gone through some things. You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you guys are just fired up to go to heaven? You know? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I said you didn't have to raise your hand, but you couldn't even help it. <laughs> When you suffer, man, you see what a, what, what's this world doing? What the heck is this? This is a prank. This is a big prank. It's all about it. When you figure out world, the world's a prank, man. It's such a good day. I think I was about three or four years into my adulthood when I realized high school and college were just a big prank. I was like, it was a prank. I got pranked in high school. You know, when you're in high school, you put so much energy and effort into high school and who, who likes you and what everyone's doing. And if you have a date, and if you have a, a, play, a you know prom, all eh, it's all fake. It's all just a big prank. Just, just prove me wrong. The more you suffer in this life, the more you become excited about the life to come. The more you lose down here, the more you're excited to live up there. And The more you struggle down here, the more you struggle less with sin. As a matter of fact, Psalm 119 verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Before I got banged around, before I came up short, man, I was all over the place. It's almost like the prodigal son story. Man, he was wild child. He was rebellious. He was ungrateful. He didn't see. He wasn't close to the dad. And then he went a couple laps around the block and he came back humbled. The people who suffered, man, they cease from sin. Not only does suffering loosen your grip on sin, write this down. Suffering rearranges your priorities. Look at verse two. It says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. When you suffer, when you go through hard times, your priorities are rearranged. You don't live for yourself anymore. You have an opportunity to give your life for the will of God and to live for his purposes, not your own. This is a good day when this happens. And yet for many of us, it came through a time of suffering, maybe caused by somebody else. Maybe if you're thick, scold like me, the suffering was caused by yourself. You did this to yourself. And yet the reality is, your priorities are rearranged. Last week, I gave you an illustration about your car, that if your car was going to be totaled, would you change the oil? I'll give a different one. If you knew your house was going to burn to the ground on Friday, how many of you guys would go home and clean right now? Just clean, scrub those toilets, you know, and get everything. In here. How many guys would go to, you know, the gardening store and get a bunch of roses and flowers and put them there along the sidewalk? And I just got to get it ready for it. And when you suffer, you're like, hey, you know what? This whole world down here, man, it's going to burn. We just read the book of Revelation. We know where this is going. I can't take everything down. your so stinking seriously. There is a thing. There is a time. There is a hereafter that will last forever. And suffering rearranges your priorities. Suffering also focuses your life for the will of God, not for your own will. And I asked you that question last week. How many guys can honestly say that you're living your life for God's will and not your own? This is a choice that you got to make. This is a choice that we get to make. And right now, things aren't going well for you. Maybe your marriage is rocky. Maybe your business is rocky. Maybe your health is rocky. Maybe your finances are falling apart. What's going on here? My world's falling apart. And the Lord's like, yeah, it's not about this world. I want you to live your time, the rest of your time here. Have you guys wasted some time before? Anybody wasted some time? Man, we got that new thing on our phones that tells us exactly how much screen time we've been wasting Have you guys done that? I read mine yesterday. I was going to share it with you guys, but it's too embarrassing. I can't even do it. It's like, ah, you know, so much time. I got to buy like a separate battery just to keep this thing going all day. (laughs) I repent. It's so foolish. It's horrible. There's traps and tricks out there. Don't waste your time. Time. He says it right there. I'm gonna read again. That verse. that verse two, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Look at verse three. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Again, the Gentiles collectively would be those who aren't seeking God. They're just outside. They don't care about the things of God. We've done enough of that, he's saying. I like how Peter, by the way, throws himself in with that confession. He's not preaching down at them, he's reaching out to them, saying, Guys, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be rebellious, I know what it's like to be foolish. I don't want to do anymore. I'm writing this letter to you because I want you guys to run with me hard after the things of God. Now, he says in verse 3, we've done enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, drinking parties, revelries, he lists these for us. And here's the thing that suffering makes you do. Not only does it make other people look differently at you, we'll see that in just a minute, but it makes you look differently at sin. I gave you guys that. Graphic illustration of a knife that takes your chi- your child's life. And, and I pray in Jesus' name you'll look at sin differently. The Proverbs say, hey, can you take fire and just bring it to your chest and not suffer burns and carnage? No, of course not. Stop it. That's the idea behind sin. This is not going to help you. It's going to hinder you. There's going to be a cause and effect, and you don't want to deal with it. And now he tells us specifically these areas to look differently. Yeah, let's just read them quickly. Verse 3, he says, we're going to look differently at sin when we walked in lewdness. Okay, this word lewdness literally in the Greek means sensuality. And it means anything that we turn to in our moments of difficulty, depression, and trial to appease our flesh. Okay, it doesn't just mean one thing or the other, but it means what you turn to when you're suffering, when you're tested, when you're sad, and you go to please yourself in some way. That's what lewdness means. Some of you, when you read lewdness, you're like, Phew, that's not me. Yeah, it might be. Sensuality, what is it for you that when you're, de- when you're sad or when you're suffering, you immediately go to that thing? When the Bible would tell you and me, hey, run to Christ, enter into his rest. He says not just lewdness, but he says lusts. The Greek word here is passions. Each one of us, by the way, are given passions from God. They're right. They're okay when kept in their own lanes. But when they get out of lanes, they become lusts. They become evil desires and evil desires like gravity. If not fought against when you're suffering, when you're going through sad times, if you don't fight against that, gravity will take you down and destroy your life. He says, don't give into those passions. Then he says, drunkenness. Notice he also listed here, I read it, drunkenness and drinking parties. Some would think those are the same, but they're different. Drunkenness speaks of literally isolating yourself from everyone else when you're sad, when you're suffering, when you're depressed, and you're turning to something else to soothe your emotions and to comfort yourself. It could be the bottle. It could be pills. It could be a hit of something. Let me just say it this way. If when you're sad, if when you're suffering, if when you're depressed, you immediately run to a substance, you're in big trouble. Okay, and by the way, in COVID and in pandemic, our state, amongst other states, have decriminalized drug use. We've increased the availability of substance abuse and substance use. Alcoholism is up 400% in most states through COVID. 400%. I'm just putting this out, Peter. Hey, don't do this anymore, guys. We did it once before, drunkenness. This is when you're by yourself. This isn't drinking party. Drinking party, by the way, is different. This is where you're going to a social setting in order to find worth and value when you're sad or suffering. We would call this Facebook. We would call this Instagram, TikTok. Drinking parties. Not just you trying to get inebriated, but you trying to find your worth and value with social circles. Careful, he says. That's not it. Man, when I put it in those terms for me, when I'm sad, when I'm suffering, when I'm going through something, where do I run to find my, my attaboys, myself, my worth, my value? Careful. Careful, he says. We don't do that anymore. He also says revelries. In the Greek, this word is Carousing. In the ESV, it's translated orgies. You don't even need to talk about that. It's bad. It's bad. Don't do that stuff. These are people who just go party, man. Let's just get crazy. He says, we don't do that anymore when we're suffering. And then lastly, he says, abominable idolatries. Any idolatry is abominable. But in those days, people would find their self-value and worth in worshiping other things outside of God with idolic worship, sacrificial systems. An idol is anything that takes the place of God in providing you value or worth or comfort at any given time. I want you to hear that. That's big time. Because most of us in here be like, yeah, abominable idolatries, knock it off, you know, as if we don't have any. We don't do that. That was ancient. An idol is anything that takes the place of God to give you your value or worth or comfort at any given time. Tim Keller out of New York says that we in our hearts are idol factories, just making idols. Don't sit here and check out and say, not me, not me, not me. You should sit here and check and be like, oh, no, ah, you know, and have a militant mind against this. Let's go. It's time to get fired up and not live your life for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Look at verse 4. This is what he says. This suffering makes you look at sin differently, but suffering makes people look at you differently. Verse 4. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Flood of dissipation means the cultural currents. Man, how are the cultural currents in, in our day going right now? Cultural currents. How's the current flowing culturally? Is everything going... You know, there's a big waterfall coming, Woo, the water's great, Woo, and everything's going crazy. And if you're a Christian, you're not going with the flow, you're going against stream, you're swimming upstream. As a matter of fact, if you've watched the Chosen series, if you haven't watched it yet, watch the Chosen series, episode, season one is out, season two is coming. And in the beginning, they always have a fish swimming against the current going upstream. Okay, If you don't know what that is, it's going is, we're going against this cultural currents. And Peter says that if you choose to be a Christian, they're going to speak evil of you and look at you differently. Has this happened to you? Have you stopped doing crazy things? And maybe your family looks at you differently. Maybe it was a loved one. Maybe even a spouse looks at you like you're a buzzkill now. You don't want to do these things we used to do now that you're a believer. your are best friends. I went through this when I gave my life radically to Jesus Christ, living in a drug house. And I stopped using drugs and stopped drinking and stopped chewing and stopped smoking and stopped chasing girls. I stopped doing all this. All my friends were looking at me going, wow, Luke, wow, you're crazy. (laughs) And I was doing my best, you know, not to beat him over the head with my 25 pound ESV Bible that I had, you know, it wasn't ESV, it was actually an MLT, man, this thing was huge. And I remember, man, my friends got mad at me, started calling me names, Holy Joe and Preacher Luke, you know, go to parties and try and pray for everyone. Like, get out of here, bro. <laughs> Have you guys, has, they're going to speak evil of you when you don't do these things. Maybe it's around the holidays. Everyone gets together. And you just don't want to do it like you did. You know, I don't want to party. I'm not mad at you. I love you guys, but I'm not doing this anymore. And Peter says, they're going to speak evil of you. Look at verse four again. I want to read it. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation. Speaking evil of you, the same cultural currents. (sighs) Arm yourself with the mind of Christ. They spoke evil of Christ. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing Jesus Christ and speaking evil of him? (laughs) They did. They killed him for evil, but he never did. If they hated you, don't be surprised because they hated him first. A servant is not above his master. Now, what do you do when you're hated on, picked on, ridiculed? Well, Pastor Luke said to have a militant mind, so I'm ready to go toe-to-toe with these bozos. (laughs) You ever just fight with people because you're right? I learned something from a, a husband one time. He said that he got in a fight with his wife. And he said he was actually right. It was the first time in his whole history of being a husband that he was right. And he became so right that he actually became wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you're so right that you you, you become a jerk. You guys don't get it. Anyways, you'll figure it out. It's marriage counseling later. Good luck with that one. <laughs> and so here we are getting picked on because we're Christians and we're right. So what do we do? Look at verse 5. He says this, they will give an account to him who's ready to ju- to, to judge the living and the dead. Peter says two things. Number one, for you and I, don't worry about it because God will take care of it. That's good news, by the way. This will allow you to love people that don't love you. This will allow you to love people that judge you. This will allow you to love people that hate you. I'm not good at that. You hate me? I'm pretty good at hating too. Here we go. You want it? I'll bring it. I'll bring it just as hard as you can. Oh, you're not going to love me? Cool. I don't want to love you either. I don't even like you. You're going to make fun of me? Well, I'll make fun of you twice. You know, all this stuff. God will take care of it okay, not my problem, not my problem. And it's something you can let go. You can actually love them freely. God will take care of it. The second thing is a warning though. God says, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take care of it. And I want you to stay compassionate toward your critics. Your critics will stand before the white throne judgment seat. Your critics will stand before the wrath of God. The people that don't like your Christ, that don't like you, Speak evil of you. God will handle it. It's not your problem. That's good news. God will handle it. That is a big problem. Don't grow a hard heart towards haters. Don't grow a hard heart towards people who aren't yet saved, who aren't yet inside the fold of God's grace. They will, verse 5, give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. Peter says, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. The other thing that suffering will do, suffering will put you in great company of great people. Peter here now throws back the reality that the gospel's been preached to people already. Listen, who suffered. You think you're the only one suffering? (laughs) The gospel's already been preached to those who are dead, that they might be alive in Christ and judged in the flesh. I'm just going to share this, and I don't know what it's going to do for you, but last night I was thinking about the men and women of the faith. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there's a great cloud of witnesses, the host of heaven, and it lists them. These men and women who ran before us, stood in faith, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched flames of fire, stop the attacks, all these things by faith. And they're kind of out there, they're Bible characters. And last night I was thinking about the men and women in our generations, maybe one, two, three hundred years behind us that got us to where we are in Christ. And if you're suffering now, chances are you're a very small person because you're a product of 2021. You're just kind of, eh, it's all about you. It's all about me. It's all about my rights. all about my comfort, all about my future, all about my freedom, It's all about, it's all about now. How many of you guys think that the most important year in the entire world is 2021? And that's what everyone else thinks. This is the most important year. This is it. Nothing else matters. And what happens is, is we're raising a generation of people who have no touch point, no connection to the men and women who's also suffered and gone before us. I was thinking about people like John Bunyan, William Tyndale, Adonai Jutsu, Hudson Taylor, C.H. Spurgeon, C.T. Studd, William Barclay, Amy Carmichael, Elizabeth Elliot. The list goes on and on of men and women. This, this is crazy. Because we live in such a tick-tock 20-second soundbite, messed up, foolish, small, selfish, self-centered world. And you're going to get picked off. You're going to be non-fruitful. This next section, which evidently I have to save for next week, it's all about serving. What are you doing with your life? How are you actually giving? How are you teaching the younger gen? I got three kids in the back, and I was thinking last night about the greats and George Whitfield and, and Finney, and all these and all these people. D. L. Moody who died in the 1800s, born in the 1800s. All these men and women who went for it. Fanny Crosby and Corey Tenboom. And if you would ask my kids right now, do you know any of those people? I'd say no, never heard of them. But I got a new skin in Fortnite. It's fun being a kid, but there's a time and a place where we say, what are we doing? Guys, I want to read to you one more time. He says, for this reason, the gospel is preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Last verse, final thought, we'll pick up here next week, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Guys, at first glance, you might read this and be like, wow, Peter. Calm down, bro. The end of all things is at hand. Wow. Peter will go on later to say that in the end, there'll be scoffers who say it's always been this way. It's from the beginning, you guys are always talking about the rapture, you're always talking about the end. And he'll talk about that. And Peter here says, The end of all things at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. This was written 2,000 years ago. Maybe you're a critic here watching out at home, or, or you're like, hey, this, You know, listen, life is very short. Your end is near. I made a memorial last weekend. Got a text message last night. A friend of mine who goes to church here, tragically died. And I teared up and prayed. Have you planned your own memorial? You should. It's going to happen. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I have some thoughts on that I'll... Cook on them for a week and teach them to you next week. I'll just say it this way, though. Usually I'm not serious or watchful about anything. Unless it's very, very important to me. Very, very important. Is your prayer life, are you watchful and serious? You will make time for what you value. You hunt, you fish, you're gonna get up early. You're going to put it together. You're going to make a sacrifice. You like to watch sunsets or sunrises? You like to go hunt for agates? You like to sew and quilt? You go to Joanne's when they have that sale? Yeah. Just sacrifice. Let's repent and prayer as we prepare to go. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness toward us. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name for a militant mind towards sin. Father, would you forgive us of our sin? Maybe there's a man here or a group of men that have been struggling with sin. They've been battling with lust, sensuality. Maybe there's some people here who've been giving into the flesh, drinking, drinking parties. Giving into the value systems that this world has set that you, Lord, have not. And I pray in Jesus' name for a breaking of the power of sin. The penalty's been paid for, but the war rages on. And if you're here this morning and you want to receive more grace, more mercy, more power, would you just raise up your hand in this battle against sin? If you need deliverance, you need forgiveness, you need restoration, you need cleansing, you need healing, you need the Lord to fight for you, Lord. My hand is up to you in Jesus' name. Would you fight, Lord, for me? Would you make me, would you make us serious and watchful in our prayers, Lord? Would you forgive us of our sin and go before us, Lord? Help us have the mind of Christ. I thank you for all you've done. You can put your hands down, Lord. Have mercy on us and prepare us for what you have the rest of this day. We love you. May we be gracious toward those who do not yet know you. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus serving those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen Amen and amen.